How's everybody? We ready to move today? Let's do it. Ready or not? <laughs> We're moving today. So, um, uh, so if this is your first few weeks at uh, Church at East, we're never meeting here again. That's, this is the last time. It's the last time. We have a new place that starts next week. Um, y'all gave sad faces? I kind of give a sad face. I'm, I'm also excited. But yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been good to be here. Um, I think the first time, did we meet here before this wall was here? I think we did. Right before. Yeah, so when we first got here, just brief brief history of us at Imagine Art. It used to not be Imagine Art. It was International House of Prayer. And this track was a wall that was like dangerous looking and like sort of worked. And we were supposed to use it. Like, you can use that. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to ever. It looks real <laughs> scary. And I don't think the person who built that, I don't, I don't want us to use it. So it was like broken up in a weird space. That wall wasn't there. So we used like this side of the space, long ways, which was super weird. <clears throat> um, we used it for like probably two years before we had this set up, or a year before we had this set up. Um, we've had four kids' classrooms at one time. We've had one kids' classroom. <laughs> Other times we've had doors locked and not been able to get in. We've had air conditioners work occasionally. That used to happen. It really did. We've had heater work before, like once. Yeah. <clears throat> but what we have for sure had, what we've had for sure had, yeah, um, we've had an opportunity to be a part of an organization <clears throat> that when we were here was doing their sole thing they did was they did art with folks with um, mental and intellectual disabilities. And that's kind of all they could handle. And now they have people go into the community and provide therapy services. They bring people here. They provide lunch every day for their clients. And we've gotten to just be a part of um, their story. Um, and like any family, any story, there's parts that are hard and there's parts that are wonderful. Um, and it's been nice to be here. It has been. It's been good to be a part of Imagine Art's story after they took over the building. Um, and since the building sold, we've been looking for a place and we're moving today to Gold Rush Vinyl to start a new chapter there, um, which we're all really excited about. So we've been working hard to get things ready. Um, next week, there will be kinks in the system. Be cool about it. Eric, be cool about it. No, <clears throat> I'm just playing. No, Eric and I have been like constructing things a lot lately, and he'll be like, I think you messed up on this. And I'm like, you watch yourself. All right. <laughs> so um, it's been fun. I'm just messing with you. So just we'll, we'll be gracious with ourselves as we move. We'll be gracious when things don't work that we're trying to roll out, and we'll be as gracious as we always are to each other. So we'll make it work. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> please, <laughs> listen, please. So yeah, please be gracious. So let's start, though. Um, we're in First Timothy. So if you would turn there or scroll there or whatever you do with your devices, <laughs> however you do that. Um, it's important, as we're in uh, this next section, this next section, if read just to its own devices, is not as lovely as if we know what comes before it. It's just not, okay? If we read it by itself in a vacuum, in fact, I think it's misinterpreted, <laughs> it's a good look for you, man. I'm serious. 
I mean it nicely. I'm so excited for you. It's a great look. You're a natural. <clears throat> I'm not being mean to you. I promise you. It looks great. It's great. Oh, geez. Good work, man. Um, so they're doing respite care this weekend. So he's, he's practicing, as it were. You got this. Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so if we read this passage in First Timothy in a vacuum, it's not going to work for us. And it won't, it shouldn't work for the interpretation we would give to the world. It shouldn't work for how Christendom presents itself to the world. It should not exist that way. It has to be read and it has to exist with last week, our discussion. So let's do this. Quickly, someone, is there a synopsis, a brief, what you took away from last week so that we don't misinterpret this badly? Anything? That love is the most important thing, and it sometimes seems a simple thing to you, but... (laughs) To you, not us. You said that. I did not. (laughs) Important important as in um, overarching of what? To everyone, that's not just at you. You're correct. That's exactly what was said. But, but in relation to what thing? What was he comparing? Do we remember? There's like these doctrines flying around, right? People are starting to debate and argue. Like, oh, is Gnosticism correct? This new thought and philosophy is pretty interesting and, and kind of brilliant. Is that right, though? What does that mean? to Christian thought. What does that mean to this? Should we teach this? Should we not? Right? There were ideas that, that um, Judaism was still key. There were insiders and outsiders, right? Like if you were Jewish and you came to faith, or if you were of the right family or of the right lineage and came to faith, you had like this better standing in faith than someone that would come with problems, right? Or someone that would come from whatever other family or from whatever other country or from whatever other economic class, or from whatever other religious background, right? We had that. We had this insider-outsider mentality that going around, and they couldn't shake it. They just couldn't. They were trying, but it was hard, because they, their Jewishness was all of them. It was more than just like, oh, that's my religion. It was their self, right? And it was hard for them to shake that ideal. It was hard for the Greeks to shake that ideal, because oh, for a lot of them, being Greek or being from... Ephesus, being an Ephesian, was part of their self, right? It's more than just saying you're a Texan, even more than that. As prideful and ridiculous as Texans we all are, more than that, more than that. Different, different. And so they were having problems shaking all these things and having a hard time leading. Paul knew that Timothy was just, it it was hard because all these different leaders there were coming up together and some just were too loud about things that were going to harm other people. They were loud about this thing they believed in that was going to leave one person as an outsider and hurt this one and make this one think wrongly and breed this other part of the world into faith that was new and like blossoming and trying to change the world. And so Paul said to Timothy right off the bat, here's the deal. My main charge to you, you've got to settle this from the get-go, is that you must love. Absolutely. No questions asked. Holistically, 
recklessly, you must love well. You have to. Apart from whatever other thing you're going to argue about in belief, apart from whatever thing is actually debatable in a good way, conflict in a beautiful way, when you have all those things, you must love with a pure heart, a right conscience, and before God faithfully. That, he's, that's it. You have to settle that right away. We also, if we're going to read Timothy, and we're going to actually try to figure out what is going on, what he's trying to tell his son that he loves, if we're going to be able to read that, we've got to hear that that part is not a joke. It's not saying it to be nice. Also, love, please. Let me just tell you now how to exclude also. Let me tell you now how to... That's not it at all. And if we don't get that settled, we can't read this well. We can't. It won't work for us. We'll mess it up. We'll be people who exclude. We'll be people who have insiders and outsiders. We'll be people who just conquer our own religious ideals and end up living a gospel of sin management all our life, which I don't think we want to do. I think a lot of us tried that, and it was hard. So, does that make sense? All right, let's get into it. Um, we're going to start in verse 8, okay? It says this, now, talking about how to love and how to do these things. Then he says, now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Important caveat there. We know the law is good if one uses it lawfully. What would that mean? We know the law is good if one uses it lawfully. How do you use the law unlawfully? Break the law. <laughs> okay, yeah. You are correct. <laughs> Three other of you said that, and it's like, I did not think of that. Yes, yes. Use a law, did you break it, then it's unlawful. You're right, you're right. Can you also obey the law wrongly? You can, can't you? We know that. We do it all the time, right? A law can have a certain intention, and we misuse it for our own good. We find a way to manipulate the law. It's kind of going around, right? <laughs> We do. I mean, this is, uh, yes, yes. Yes to that too, but I mean, just, it's what we do, right? When we're about to do our taxes, we'll find out if we're tempted in it, to be really honest. We can use those laws unlawfully. Oh, yeah, I do think I use that room of my house for work. Yeah. And that's a funny, silly example, but we also do it to hurt other people, and we know we do, right? To be a member of said country. You have to do these things. We're going to make you do those things in an unrighteous manner. I don't care if it's the law or not, right? We're going to use it unlawfully. We're going to use moral laws we have with each other unlawfully, right? We're going to pick and choose which ones we hold as mightier. That's using the law unlawfully. Honestly, saying that anything is more important than loving your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, saying anything's more important than not using it unlawfully. Right? Oh yeah, I understand that, but there's rules you have to follow, so start following them so I can do that to the best of my ability. It's an unlawful way to use the law. It's wrong. It's incorrect. Any, any, there's no other way to describe that. There's no other way to use that. There's no other way to argue it. It's incorrect. It's wrong. It's disobedient. It's, it's harmful. So he says, here's the deal. The law is good. The law can be beautiful, it can be helpful, it can be wonderful if you use it lawfully. Important distinction for all of us to hear. 
as we use laws unlawfully all the time. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, the unholy, the profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory um, of the blessed God, of which I am entrusted. It sounds like he's like doing what he said not to do. Right? He says, this is the way you see this. He says, the law is beautiful if used lawfully. We know the unjustness of that. He says, let me list to you these things that we all say are just the, the, the worst. Let me list to you these things. Let me tell you all about what everyone says is the deal, right? What everyone says the law is for and who should be of consequences and all these things. So he makes this list, right? And it can sound like, Paul, wow, let's just call everybody out real quick. Let's do it, right? Let's just say who's wrong in our community and say, yeah, the law will punish them, right? Let's say what all of our kids should stay away from, right? Let's say what's the worst of us. Let's say what's the most harmful to our society. And let's call that out and say, you, in fact, need redemption. You need Jesus, right? We've all, we've all seen that done. It sounds, out of context, out of last week, out of what's coming, it sounds like that. It sounds like that's what we should do. That should be our posture. It should say, you are the reason we need the law. Me, I just do these other things, these lesser bad things, these lesser socially harmful things, depending on your society, the culturally acceptable things. Those are the things I step into. But these others, see? There's an others and there's an us. There's an in, there's an out, there's a good and a bad, a better, best, whatever you want to call it. There's this with that mentality. And he keeps going, and he says this, in accordance with the gospel of God, of the blessed God that I have been entrusted, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing to me his service, though, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. Why would he list those three things that he is? Was he other things? Probably. Probably lied. Right? It's probably arrogant. Right? Probably said awful things. People probably gossip, probably do this thing. Why would he list those? Why? Why would he tell them to his son? Why would he do that? Why would he not say... Me, even though you know sometimes, Timothy, I made bad choices. Even though sometimes, Timothy, I drank a little too much. Even though sometimes, Timothy, I even was rude in my responses to my parents. Why? Why would he list those three things? We're trying to figure out if you would ask that rhetorically. Or... No, no, it's real. Yeah, yeah, say it. Say it right now. No, this is all, this is all for us. I think because the, those other things that he's not mentioning are more just kind of like behaviors in a community that can be damaging, but 
against this whole thing that they've now turned their life towards. And so he's showing that it's like in that realm the worst, I guess. Okay. Anybody else? I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to qualify it, but yes, I think you're exactly right. What else? Why would he list those three words? It's prevalent among the people, or yeah. could potentially be with... There's others with him. The viewpoint of... Right. I guess it is right. Right. What else? They seem like examples of using law They absolutely seem like using examples of law unlawfully. How was he a blasphemer? Why was he a blasphemer? Yeah, and he said Jesus was what? Nothing. Not the Messiah. It's like, no. In fact, I'll hold the coats while you kill the people that say he is. Let's do that. That seems fair. That seems like a reasonable way to purge this like, sect that's evil, right? So he uses this law that all of his Jewish counterparts would follow unlawfully. Uses it to murder. Uses it to take people's houses. Uses it to orphan children. Uses it to take children away from their parents. Uses it in all of these ways so that he can be right before God, right? So he says, my, blasph- my blaspheme wasn't just I said, oh, there's no God. It was I took that to the extreme to harm people badly. Is I'm a persecutor. More than, just, more than just something towards God, although that's how it starts. That's why I'm saying qualified perfect that you said that. So I'm a, I'm a persecutor. I also damaged the community in the, the most egregious way I possibly could. I took their fathers, mothers, and brothers, and I put them in prison, and I loved it. And I thought I was righteous in doing it. I held your coats while you stoned the first one of them. He said, I was an insolent opponent. I wasn't just an opponent that fought fair. I wasn't an opponent in that I debated with you consciously and kindly. I was insolent in my opposition towards faith. When we read this, we see this heart of this person posturing towards the world a certain way. We have this list. Yes, the law is made up for all of these, but let's be honest. He said, I am that and more. Someone, someone was disrespectful and struck their parents, I killed their parent. Someone like, used God's name in vain at the wrong time, I put people in prison for saying that name, and then I killed them. I debated it harshly. My life, the posture of Paul's life, was so against everything of the kingdom of heaven at hand that he could easily say the next statement he says. It says this, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of the Lord overflowed for me the faith and love for Jesus Christ. And the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. He's not saying that with fake humility. He truly understands himself, and he says, no, If any of these people, if any of the others you're pushing aside, if any of these others you're not allowing to be a part of you, if any of the outcasts of society, if you think they're bad, I was much, much worse on purpose, and I tried to be excellent at it. 
He said, oh, of all the ones, I am honestly the worst that I could imagine. And he meant it. It wasn't fake. He wasn't saying it to sound humble. He wasn't saying, oh, no, I'm the worst. No, you're the worst. No, I'm worse. I was naughty. No, nothing like that. He's really saying, I know myself. I know that without redemption, without faith, if I'm left to my devices, oh, I was going to do this harder and harder every day. I was going to be myself every day. He said, luckily, through God's grace, something stepped in. So I want to read real quick Ephesians 2, because this is important for us as well, as we're talking about posture. It says this, And you were dead in, trans- in your trespass and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in your own passions and flesh, carrying out the desires of your body and mind and the nature. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when you were dead, made us alive together. Did someone make themselves alive? No, they were made alive. We're passive in that, right? God steps in and alives us. Drew didn't didn't choose, you know what, I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to, I'm going to, Seek to not be myself. No, God alived him. Alived Drew. And Drew said, yes, sounds great. Let's do that. Paul, Paul writes this as well. He says, look, you can't, you can't understand law without love, and you can't understand that either if you think for a minute that you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and you've made yourself better than someone. He says, are you kidding me? Me, of the right lineage, of the right education, of the right everything, was the worst of sinners. God had to alive me by his grace. That's it. That's all he's got. The only thing he can boast in, what does he say the only thing he can boast in in Philippians? His weaknesses. That's it. The only thing I'm proud of is how Weak I am at everything. That's all. He moves on and says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of um, true acceptance. Jesus came to the world to save sinners, who I'm the foremost. But it's I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I charge, or this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that you would also wage that good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. He said, this posture I pass to you, that you would see yourself rightly as not better than a them, or more right than an other. But it's who we truly are. <coughs> Left to ourselves, we're damaging and we're harmful. And yeah, we do some good, but a lot of times it's for us. We struggle with humility, we struggle to love, all these things. He said, but, but, 
graciously. We have been given mercy that alives us. Not that you have obtained it, not that you made it work, not that you were deserving of it, not that you made the right choices in the right order or were brought up in the right family so that it was easier for you. Said, so, But in fact, even that was so that God could show patience for who? For the other. That, that's also this like, selflessness idea of like, oh, God, God alived you and, and changed all those things about you so that God might show his patience to everyone else which is beautiful. Yes, we receive God's love. Yes, we receive redemption. We receive this closeness. We get to know the Holy Spirit, really. All those beautiful things we receive so that the rest of the world can see, oh, God is gracious and patient and merciful and might show me the same because look at this Yahoo. He received grace. He received mercy. God must be incredibly patient. But we don't show the world that. Tell everyone we're so put together. We're not genuine. We don't even, you know, express to each other how we struggle. How would the world know? You know? And so I, I, want, us, I want us to see, um, I, want, I want myself also to see this. That this Knowing who we are and that we're, we're, we make our own bed and have to lay in it, we're, we're sinners ourselves, we're the worst of worst. It's not to, to make us down and out, but to show what God does for the entire world. And so that when we posture towards the world, we can't help but say, oh, I'm one with you. <laughs> we can't help but say, yeah, I don't forget my own flesh. That's me. That person is me. Left to my anything, I'm going to do that. I'll live that way. I'll think that way. I'll do these things. God's the only good part of my life. The only wonderful thing about me is my weaknesses, in fact, so that God might shine through those things and I might love a little better. If we would posture ourselves towards the world in that way, how welcoming would this kingdom be? Instead, we... Paul says these people, they just argue over the steps of their religion. They argue over who's got it together. They argue over which sin is worse. They argue over, he says, my Lord, just love better. Posture yourself towards the world in the way you actually are. Tell people that Jesus came for the tax collector and the prostitute. We forget Jesus said that a few years before this. He's partying with a group of the worst of the worst of the town. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And he says, I like them. <laughs> if you feel this way, I didn't come for you. You have it together? Oh, well, I didn't come for the folks that had it together. So just you party on your own way. I came for these. I like them. I'll eat and drink with them and I will be merry. And it'll change their life. And they'll pour perfume on his feet. And they'll come in and cry over him and wash his feet with their tears. They just think he's the most loving 
anything that's ever existed, right? They'll actually stay at the cross and crucified instead of run off like the righteous ones, right? Or they come out of the tree and they invite him to dinner at their house, <laughs> you know? That's who he came for. That's who we were, and we need to see ourselves that way. And that's who we go towards, and who we offer life to. So, let's do this. Let's pray about that, and I want us to take a good look at our posture. And if our church um, is this, is this voice. Um, and if it's not, then what do we do about that? What moves do we make? Do we just acknowledge it and live our day? Do we make changes in our life? Do we change our vocabulary? Do we, what do we do as we like start afresh in a new place like that? You know, it's not a start kind of is, but we're still us. So I want us to pray about that before we have communion. So let's stand together. <clears throat> um, here at Church at East, <clears throat> here's how we practice communion. Um, we're going to say a liturgy of response together, and then we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. And after that, um, the band's going to play, and we're going to sing two more songs. And we want you to know um, that you are welcome at this table. We ask that you just take the bread and dip it in the cup, enjoy communion, and worship however you see fit. Um, we, we need you to know, and I, every one of you that I see all the time, I need you to know from from the like, hopefully the all the way of me. And if you're visiting with us, you need to know from the all the way of us that there are things we will disagree on, there are beliefs that are hard, there are things in your life that are difficult, there are things in my life that are the same, but this table is open to everyone, always, always. So as you take the bread and dip it in the cup, no, you dip the bread in the cup with me, a sinner, a chief of it, a ridiculous man a lot of times. And I take communion with you, who I may know how ridiculous you are or I may not, but I gladly take communion with you. And as we take that together, we are one together in this, this beautiful kingdom of heaven that's at hand. Um... And as we seek to love well, as we seek to love more intentionally and more urgently, let's think about that as we dip the bread in the cup.